This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, let me take you back to 1942, when radio audiences were turning in to be offered scary stories on the program Dark Fantasy. Tonight's episode's called Rendezvous with Satan. remember him who has passed, not for what he was, not for what he did, but because he was, as all of us are, a temple of God. Let us remember that this which is about to return to common clay was molded from common clay. Today we gather here to pay our last tribute to this now still flesh. Lying here before us, cold in the coldness of death. Let us always remember. Let us always remember. Did you see him? Move his hand. Move his hand up toward his head. Madam, please. No, no, surely you're mistaken. I distinctly saw his hand move. Couldn't have. Carl. Carl. Oh, my darling. Just lie still, Carl Fisher. This craft is most fragile. Where, where am I? Where would you be after death? Death? You say death? Yes. Am I dead? They have your body in a church, Carl. <laughs> Imagine you in a church. No. No, you're mistaken. 
There's no church. I, I'm right here. Apparently you are, yes. But we are most careful when we bring you here. We take every precaution to uh, relieve the shock. Shock? Of finding yourself in the midst of fire and brimstone. Hot. It's so hot. <laughs> you get used to it. Where am I? Your soul is here with me. Your body is back on earth. At present, resting within a satin-lined coffin. Coffin? Yes. They're soon going to place you within a tomb. Oh, I don't believe you. Don't you? Personally, makes no difference to me whether you do or not. But for your own satisfaction, suppose you feel for yourself. What? Yes. Reach up with your right hand. Reach up. Feel the casket lining by your head. Go right ahead. There. You see? Yes. But I'm lying in the bottom of a boat. Only your soul is. This is some trick. The boat is satin lined. <laughs> I'll admit, Carl Fisher, I am generally most concerned about my own comfort. But as far as lining one of my boats with satin, no. I fear that would be too much, even for Satan. Satan? Yes. Here, let me prove to you the boat is not cloth-lined. There. You see? You devil. <laughs> That's irony. You are a devil. Yes, I am. But not just a devil. The devil. You mean I'm really dead? One never dies, Carl. The common clay perishes, yes. But only the common clay. Let me out of here. I'm sorry. You see, you can't move until I permit you to. But I moved my hand a moment ago. Felt the lining near my head. That's because I wished you to. Nothing is done here unless I order it done. Then... Then I am dead. Only your body. <laughs> it might interest you to know. You caused quite a commotion up there a moment ago when you interrupted your funeral oration by suddenly moving in your casket. Yes, quite a commotion. Only two people saw you. One of them was a woman. You frightened her, Carl. But they've taken her away now. You mean my body actually is being preached over? Oh, yes. Indeed, yes. You were a prominent man on earth, Carl. Naturally, yours is a most elegant funeral. So many flowers, half of them could be brought into the church. People standing outside, on the sidewalk even. Is Laura there? Your wife? Oh, certainly. Where else would she be? Church, you say? Yes. Amazes you, doesn't it? You haven't been in a church for 35 years. No. You wouldn't even permit your daughter to be buried from a church, Carl. But she went to heaven. Anyway. Stop it, stop it. 
Do you remember Reverend Brooks, Carl? Reverend Brooks? Yes. He married you. Remember? Today, he's officiating at your funeral. No. No. Would you like to hear what he's saying, Carl? Listen. If Carl Fisher has brought tragedy into our lives, let us remember that out of tragedy, good can arise. Soon that tragedy will be forgotten. But let us never forget Carl Fisher. Let us remember him always as a Christian. You hear, Carl? A Christian, he says. Stop. Stop that voice. Listen, Carl. Let us pray for him often and ask Almighty God to grant him pardon. Let us be generous towards him that finally the supreme ruler may in turn be generous towards us. No. No, stop him. Stop him. I don't want to hear anymore. Did you hear what he said, Carl? He asked your friends, your family, your wife to forget your evil, to remember only what was good about you. Yes, Carl. But that leaves them nothing to remember. Oh, let me alone. No, Carl. They've nothing to remember. Because there was nothing about you that was good. I didn't have a chance. Chance? You say you didn't have a chance? Certainly not. Mm, Well, I don't want to waste my breath by pointing out the chances you did have. I was forced into everything that happened. Forced, I say. Were you? Certainly I was. Haven't you ever heard of... Free will. Free will? Free will, you say? I haven't had a will of my own in the last 30 years. Haven't you, Carl? No. You know I haven't. I knew I was doing wrong. Sure, I knew it. I'd never have made my millions by by being any other way. Your millions. Did you enjoy them, Carl? I was just beginning to, and... When I took charge of you. Is that it? Yes. Your millions aren't worth much. Here. Where am I? Certainly you haven't lost your imagination. Where would you be? With fire on all sides. And the smell of brimstone. And with me as your pilot on the river Styx. Styx? You remember. It's our largest river. Where are you taking me? I have a special assignment for you, Mr. Fisher. We have a certain reserve space for members like you down here. Inferno. Tell me. Am I in Hades? Does that surprise you? No. No, I can't be. I didn't want to die. I wanted to do what was right, but I couldn't. You didn't try. I was going to try. You've done nothing but evil for 30 years. You couldn't change now. I could, I tell you, I could. No, car. I'll make a bargain with you, Satan. Bargain? <laughs> no one makes bargains with Satan. Give me a chance. Let me go back. Let me live my life over. I'll change. I swear I will. You'd never change. I will, I will. Let me go back. Let me show you. Let me prove I can do what's right. All right, car. <laughs> I'll bargain with you. It would at least relieve the dull monotony. You give me a chance? Yes, for 24 hours. 24 hours? Only 24 hours? Yes. Do nothing but good for 24 hours, and I'll not return to claim you. 
But if you fail... I won't fail. I won't, I won't. It's up to you, Kyle. It's entirely up to you. But remember, only 24 hours. Only 24 hours. You really shouldn't have come tonight, Laura. You should rest. I know. But I couldn't rest. Poor Carl. He needed someone so badly those last few days. And I was away. Never dreaming what was happening. You mustn't blame yourself, Laura. Oh, I can't help it. I feel I deserted my husband. Just when a man needs his wife most. There'll come a time, Dr. West, when when I'll be afraid to come out here to the mausoleum. I wanted to come tonight to tell him goodbye. Goodbye? Yes. I loved my husband, David. Despite everything he did, he was the only one I ever cared for. Here, my dear, I have the key. I say, Laura, it's not locked. But I saw you lock it after the services this afternoon. I did lock it. I'd swear I did. Open the door. Yes. Do you have a light? Yes. Pocket flash. There. Oh, David. Empty. The casket's empty. David, for heaven's sakes, what's happened here? I don't know, but Carl always said he'd come back. What? Yes. He told me once he had no fear of death because he knew he could always make a deal with Satan. Carl told you that? Yes. I I laughed at him at the time, but now I wonder. I'd better go now, Laura. Sure you're feeling all right? Yes, I... I know I won't sleep tonight. You can relax. I can send you out a nurse if you like. Oh, no. No, I'd rather be alone. But if you need me, please don't hesitate to call. Thank you, David. Good night, my dear. Good night, David. Thank you so much for being such a dear. I'll... I'll call you in the morning. Good night. That's strange. Yes. I'm not hearing things. That's an electric razor running. But it can't be. There's no one in the apartment but myself. Carl. 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 Yes, my dear, did you call me? Carl. Yes, Laura, what is it? Carl. Are you really there? What do you mean, am I really here? Of course I'm here. Heavens, I was right in the middle of my shaving. Oh, no. 
Laura, what's the matter with you? Why'd you call me? No, Carl, please don't come any closer, please. The world's gotten into you all of a sudden. Darling, is it really you? Really me? Now, what are you talking about? Carl, don't you know? Don't I know what? We... We buried you this afternoon. Carl, don't look at me like that. Buried me? Yes. Oh, darling, what's happened? Tell me what's happened. I don't know. Something's wrong. Carl. My... My head. Whirling. Dizzy. I don't... Remember what happened. Oh, darling, you're alive. Warm. Breathing. Yes, but I seem to have been away. It was so hot. There was a boat on a river and a satin lined casket and. Oh, Lord. Darling, darling, you did come back. Dr. West said you would. Dr. West? Yes. David. He said you told him once you'd come back after. after you'd gone on. Laura, I have been dead, haven't I? Yes, Carl. I remember now. I was sitting at my desk, sitting alone at night in my office. Then something happened. You were shot. The back of the neck. Everything stopped. The next thing I knew, I was riding in the bottom of a boat lined with silk. No. That wasn't the boat that was lined. It was the casket. He told me to move my hand and I'd feel it. Who, Carl? Who told you? It was the devil. Carl. Yeah. I died. Went to Hades. But I bargained with Satan. I bargained with him. He took me up. Gave me 24 hours. 24 hours. Darling. Darling, I don't understand... Twenty-four hours to prove I could do good here on Earth. Oh, is it true? Can it be real? Yes, it is true. It's real. I can't believe it. Things like this just don't happen. This happened. But Carl, how? I made a bargain, I tell you. A bargain with Satan. I have a rendezvous to keep with him. Twenty-four hours. I'm so confused, Carl. If only... Who could that be? I'll go see. Oh, no. It's anyone we know, they they won't understand. You go back into the bedroom, dear. I'll see who it is. But the world's got to know sometime. Well, people will know soon enough. Please, dear. I'm too upset for a scene to, to try to explain to anyone tonight. All right, my dear, if you wish. Thank you, darling. <laughs> David. I had to come back, Laura. I couldn't stay away. David, please. Forgive me, dearest. But I've waited so long. David, please go. No. Not until I've talked to you. Some other time. I can't wait any longer, Laura. It's not fair for you to ask me to. Not fair? You know I love you, Laura. You've known it for months, years. David. You have known, haven't you? Yes, but... I've waited so long to have the right to tell you about my love. Now I... Oh, I I know it's not right to come to you on the night of your husband's funeral and say these things. But I must know, Laura. 
I must know. I have nothing to say to you, David, nothing. I know you were always madly in love with that criminal of a husband of yours, but that's over now. You'll have to forget him. Oh, remember, darling, you're a young woman yet. Your life is still ahead of you. You can't go on carrying a torch for someone who cared more about making a million dollars than making you happy. Please, David, don't say that. I have a right to say it. Now, I've kept it in check all of these years, waiting and hoping. And now Carl is dead. You hear me? Dead. Dead. You belong to me now. No, David. Not now or ever. Yes. Yes, I say, you're mine. If anyone has a right to you, I have. After everything I've done to get you. Will you go now, David? Oh, Laura, Laura, I need you. Oh, Laura, please say you'll marry me. No, David. I'll never marry you. But I know you care for me. I could make you learn to love me. No, never. I've had nothing for you, David, but friendship. I'll never have more. I know that's not true. Don't say that. It's not. You do care for me. I could tell by the way you kissed me. That's when I first began building my hopes. Kissed you? When did I kiss you? You haven't forgotten. The party in my penthouse. None more than three months ago. Your birthday party? Yes. All the girls kissed you that night. If you remember, we even made a sort of game out of it. Lined up like a bunch of high school girls to compliment our hosts. Yes, but you meant more than just a compliment that night. You imagined Oh, no. I kissed you just like the others. In full sight of my husband. And I... I might add, to his complete amusement. Carl wasn't in the room. You waited until he'd left before you got into line. Oh, nonsense, David. No. I knew that night you cared for me. That's when I began planning to make you mine. David, will you please go? Not until you've told me you'll marry me. I've told you I won't. There's someone else. Only my husband. Someone else. Someone who's alive. Please go, David. What's that? I want you to go. What was that? In that other room? Nothing. What are Nothing you... at all. What are you doing? I don't want you to ever come back here, David. What are you doing? I'm locking this door. I'm in no mood to have you go ransacking my place. There's someone in that room. David. So, so, you couldn't wait until your husband was safely buried. Couldn't wait. David. Well, he won't have you. You hear me? He won't have you. David. Please go now. Very well. But I'm telling you this, Laura. He won't have you. Whoever he is, he'll never have you. I promise you that. Carl? You hurt? Yes. Well? Go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. She's been having an affair behind her back, hasn't she? She deserves to be killed, doesn't she? Well, go ahead. Kill her. I don't have to tell you, Carl. I've never cared for him. Go ahead, Carl. Kill her. She's lying, don't you think? No one but you, darling. Ever. I can still tempt you, Carl. That's my job. That's how I keep my fires burning. I know you believe me, Carl. No. Don't believe her. She's never lied to you before, but there's always a first time. Darling, 
Please don't stand there looking at me. Say something. She wants you to say something. Well, go ahead. Say something. Darling. It's all right, dearest. I believe you. say when I, I walk out into the world again. Carl, don't you think it would be best for us to go away quietly? Someplace where we'd never be recognized? No, Laura. I have a bargain to fulfill. Only until three this afternoon. You'll spend that time with me then? I'm sorry, I can't. There's more to be done than probably either of us imagined. Where are you going? To the office first. I'll go with you. No, dear. I'll come back to you before I leave you again. To keep my rendezvous with Satan. Good morning, Miss Walling. Good morning, Mr. Fisher. You're early this morning, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher. Explaining. Uh, nothing doing. I'll let myself in the office. West. Come in, Carl. I've been waiting for you. Sitting in my chair at my desk. Yes. This is your gun, I believe. What's the meaning of this? I'm prepared to make a bargain with you. Bargain? Yes. What sort of a bargain? You died without leaving a will. I have one here dated three months before your death. Sign it, the business becomes mine. And I'll permit you to take away half of your seven million dollars and Laura. You permit me? Yes. You couldn't operate your business now? People wouldn't want to do business with a dead man? Do I look dead to you? Don't be facetious. I'm serious. I know all about what happened to you. When I came back to see Laura last night, I heard you talking before I pushed the buzzer. I don't understand it all, but I'm prepared to give Laura up for your business and half your cash. You killed me. What? You killed me. Fisher, keep back. I see it clearly now. I see now that Laura wasn't lying to me last night. She's never cared for you. I warn you, keep back, Fisher. I remember what you said to her. You said, if anyone has a right to you, Laura, I have. After everything I've done to get you. This gun is loaded, Carl. Yes, I see it all clearly now. Stay back. Stay away from me. The night she kissed you at the party. Remember what you said about that last night? That was the night you began planning to make her yours. If you come any nearer, I'll shoot. I'm not going to harm you, Dr. West. You'd like to get your hands on this gun. You'd like to kill me, wouldn't you? Kill you? No, I can't kill you. I've made a bargain not to. Then keep back. I could kill you, though. I've been proclaimed legally dead, you know. You can't hang a dead man. Keep back. One step farther and I'll shoot. I told you I don't intend to harm Stop. you. 
Stop where you are. I just want you to take a good look at me, Doctor. Stop. Not one step farther. Not one step farther. Laura. Oh, darling, are you hurt? It's nothing. He shot you, Carl. Laura. That gun in your hand. I... I followed you here. I don't know why I brought the gun. Laura. You killed him. Give it to me. No. Give it to me. Give it to me. Carl, you must get to a doctor. No. Look at the clock. No time for a doctor. You hurt badly. Oh, it doesn't matter. Give me that gun. Carl. Give it to me. There. Now. Now they... They'll think... We shot each other. Carl. 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 Oh, my darling. You have won your bargain, Carl Fisher. There's no place here for you now. Rendezvous with Satan, tonight's original tale of dark fantasy by Scott Bishop, originating in the studios of WKY. Ben Morris was Carl Fisher, Blois Wright played Dr. David West, Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Laura Fisher, Fred Wayne took the part of Satan, Muir Height was heard as Reverend Brooks, and Georgiana Cook Height played the secretary. Next Friday at this time, listen for Scott Bishop's I Am Your Brother. Tom Paxton speaking. Dark Fantasy comes to you each Friday night from Oklahoma City. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for a change of pace when we'll check in with Fibber McGee and Molly. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly, starring the real-life married couple Jim and Marion Jordan. Save what you have. Conserve. Make what you have do a little longer. That's the watchword nowadays. And the master of 79 Wistful Vista is not one to violate a national policy. So here, gazing speculatively at his last year's straw hat, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. McGee, what on earth are you going to do with that straw hat? What do you suppose I'm going to do with it? I'm going to wear it. Well, now, isn't that carrying conservation to extremes? Why, it looks terrible. Well, I'll either wear this this summer or I'll wear that checkered golf cap. Oh, no, no. No, not that, dearie, not that. Okay, so I'll wear this. What do they charge to clean a straw hat? Oh, 50 or 75 cents ordinarily. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think they'd make a special rate of $4. (laughs) Well, I can get a new one for $2.95. Well, that's what I was hinting at in my delicate way. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to do it. 
The government wants us to conserve, and by the million merry men of the mighty MacArthur, I'm going to conserve. Well, when you get through with that miracle, you might take a minute off and invent a shower curtain that won't slap you in the face when your back is turned. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> You threw that in. Now, don't worry. I can make this hat look like new. We got any art gum? Now, listen. Cleaning that thing with art gum would be like bombing Tokyo with confetti. Well, doggone it. What do you use to clean a straw hat? Well, if everybody knew that, what would the people do uh, who clean them for a living? Okay, okay. I'll find a way. I'll bet the drugstore has got a preparation that'll clean straw hats. Give me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me Kramer's Drugstore on the corner of Mert. Is that you? Oh, <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? It is, eh? What's say, Mert? Your uncle smashed his face and broke one of his hands. Oh, what's the matter, McGee? Did he drop his watch? Oh, sure. <laughs> Hello, Mert. Nah, she guessed it right off. What's say, Mert? Okay, I'll call later. Say, look, dearie, I don't think the government would care if you threw that hat away and got another one. If you wear this one, it'll be bad for morale. Whose? Mine. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. I've made up my mind to clean this hat. And by the merry mighty men... No, I said that. You know what I've made... You know what I've made up my mind? <laughs> Indeed I do, precious boy. <laughs> You're about as flexible as a poker. <laughs> and just as busy as turning things up. Uh, I got character. All us McGee's have got that old persistence in me. We follow through. When we start something, we finish. You don't say. Yes, sir. How about that chip in the bottle you started to carve in the spring of 1928? Well, I got my finger stuck in the neck of the bottle and had to bust it. <laughs> I couldn't go through life waving a three-masted schooner at people, could I? Oh, I don't know. It might give you a little individuality. People would say, you know Fibber McGee. He's the man with the sloop on his pinky. <laughs> well, gee whiz, a fella can't always just... Hey, we got any peroxide? I think so. What for? I bet I can clean my straw hat with that. It's a bleach, ain't it? Well, yes, I think it is. But I never heard of anybody cleaning a hat with it. Well, I'm going to try it anyway. What can I lose? Well, you can lose a hat. And I can lose a bottle of peroxide. But go ahead now. Where would the steamboat be today if Eli Whitney hadn't invented the cotton gin, is what I always say. <laughs> I'll go get you the peroxide, dearie. Where would the steamboat be today if Eli Whitney... Well, Whitney didn't invent the steamboat. What'd the cotton gin have to do with the steamboat if... Well, of course, they carried cotton in steamboats, but if Fulton hadn't... It... But Fulton didn't invent the cotton gin. That was Whitney. So if the steamboat had... Doggone it, I wish Molly would get her facts straight. I can't sit around here all day. Come in. Hi, mister. What you doing? Oh, hello, sis. I'm going to bring this Katie back to life. Hmm? I says I'm going to launder this lid, this straw hat. I'm going to clean it. How? Huh? Hmm? You says, how am I going to clean it? I know it. Well, that, sis, is a moot point. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you know what a moot point is? Sure I do, I bet you. My uncle has a moot, and it's a pointer. Oh, that's a mutt, not a moot. And you better run along now, sis. In a few minutes, I'm going to be deep in the heart of skimmer scraping. Can we talk business a minute, mister? Oh, business, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, 
As the furnace says, when the guy walks up with a nasty look, something tells me I'm going to be shook down again. <laughs> well, let's get to it, sis. What's the racket? I don't hear anything. No. <laughs> I mean, what's your angle? What business are you referring to? You mean what am I selling? Seeds. Seeds? Sure. Vegetable seeds. Sparrowgrass seeds and radishes and cabbages and, and turnips and potatoes and marshmallows and petunias. Oh, 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 wait a minute. You can't eat petunias. Yeah, we're trying to. Well, no, but petunias... And petunias and onions and carrots. <laughs> and cod liver oil. You can't plant cod liver oil either. You can as far as I'm concerned, mister. <laughs> I despise it. You want some seeds, huh? No, I don't believe I'd care. Haven't you got a victory garden, mister? Haven't you? <laughs> no, I, I've been thinking of starting one, but somehow look, I just... Look, mister, hmm? look. How can we win this war if everybody says, well, I've been thinking of doing something, but I never get it? Well, sis, you really got a point there, and My I'm... teacher says that every single vegetable we grow means so much more food for our soldiers and sailors. She says we got to have a green land here for those boys in Iceland. Well, that's a very good idea. And I she think... says we have an ocean between us and Australia and an ocean between us and Europe. And if we have an ocean that we can just sit around doing nothing, we better get smart. <laughs> Your teacher is a very intelligent She says that an army travels on its stomach. And if we don't keep them full of fuel, we just don't know our groceries. Well, you're absolutely right, sis. Give me two bucks worth of seeds, and I'll get to work and tomorrow. Furthermore, mister, huh? my teacher says it's much better to get blisters on our hands than calluses on our hearts. And whether we're buying bonds or planting vegetables, there's only one thing we got to do, and that's dig, dig, dig.
dearie. Getting it clean? No, not very clean anyway. Nothing I've tried seems to work. Look at it. What makes it so fuzzy? This brush is kind of rough on it, I guess. Where'd you get that brush? Well, it ain't exactly a brush. It's it's Lillian's curry comb. <laughs> now, McGee, you take that right back to the garage. I won't let anybody else use my brush and comb, and I'm sure Lillian would feel the same way about it. Why won't you let anybody else use your hairbrush? Well, I just don't like the idea, that's all. Don't hurt your hairbrush any just to clean a straw hat with it. Maybe it won't. <laughs> McGee. <laughs> did you use my hairbrush to scrub that awful old hat with? No, not very long. It was too soft and wasn't making any impression, so I just had to throw it away. Now, believe me, if we weren't going to have guests just at this minute, my fine amateur bonnet brusher, I'd... I'd what I'd... would you do? Well, nothing, probably. <laughs> I can buy another hairbrush, but amusing husbands are hard to get. <laughs> Come in. Hello there, kids. How are you fixed for Christmas cards? Christmas cards? Aren't you jumping the gun a little, old-timer? It's eight months till next Christmas. I still got a dirty little deficit from the last one. <laughs> Johnny, let's talk this over man to man. You mean I'm not in on this discussion, huh? You stay right here, daughter. In selling Christmas cards, it's the women that have the say-so. I'm convinced of that. How long have you been selling them? Uh, you're my first customer, but I'm easy convinced. <laughs> now, look at the first one of the book here. Happy, happy Yuletide from Canada to the Isthmus. Geography doesn't matter when we wish you Merry Christmas. <laughs> that one appeal to you? Now, please, Mr. Oldtimer, how can you expect anybody to get hopped up about Christmas right after Easter? That reminds me, I got Easter greetings too. Here's one that says, North or South, East or West, Easter with you is Easter at best. Only two dollars a dozen engraved with your no, name. No, your home. no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't want any. Come back in six or seven months and we might talk business, old timer. Uh, six or seven months, eh? Yeah. I see, that'll be November. Better buy your Thanksgiving cards now and save me a trip. Here's one. But that we says, don't want to. It says, White meat, dark meat, all around the town. Hey. Close the sample book and lay off, will you, old-timer? We're not in the market. Why, it ain't like you, Johnny. You always was full of the holiday spirit. But if, if that's how you feel about it... Why, the idea of Christmas cards at this time of the year. <laughs> at least you didn't try to sell us any Father's Day's cards. Got them right here, Johnny, Father's Day. <laughs> Smart. We love him and we love no. him. Okay. <laughs> hey, Molly, I wonder if I couldn't clean this hat with just plain soap and water. Shall I soak it? I would, right out the window. <laughs> oh, you're not any help. Now, let me see. What might do the job? Toothpaste, lighter fluid, ammonia? Grease. Grease? What kind? Elbow. It'll take more than that. I'm all out of peroxide, and it's going to take some chemical that'll bleach it yellow again. Don't tell me that hat was yellow, McGee. Well, it was yellow. Do you mean to tell me that any hat that would wear a band with purple polka dots out in public is yellow? <laughs> Look, Molly, will you please take this thing serious? Here I'm trying to save myself some dough. And hello, just... folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Harlow. Come on in and what you sniffing at. What's that odd smell? It's peroxide, Mr. Wilcox. Oh. McGee's been trying to bleach a straw hat. It's gone brunette on him. <laughs> well, why don't you do what I did last year, Fibber? What was that? Well, I took my Panama out of the closet and wore it down to the office. 
I didn't notice how soiled it was until people began to comment. Oh, it must have been embarrassing. Oh, it was. There I was, dashing in and out of the office all day, dictating letters about how Johnson's glow coat was such a marvelous labor and time saver because it eliminates rubbing and buffing and dries in 20 minutes or less to a beautiful, lustrous finish. Yes, but how about the hat? What hat? Oh, 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 my Panama. Yeah, yeah. Well, I still hadn't noticed how bad it looked. Yeah. And me so sensitive to dust and dirt, too, on account of selling Johnson's self-polishing glow coat so long. And glow coat being marvelous for soiled and dull linoleum. So when I finally got through with my work, which was mostly writing an advertisement about how glow coat preserves and protects your linoleum, and it's particularly important right now to conserve what you have. Yes, uh, but the hat, the hat. Uh, what do you mean? What did you do with your Panama hat? I sent it out and got it clean. <laughs> There's still a funny smell in here. That, Mr. Wilcox, is McGee burning. <laughs> you want me to take your hat down to the cleaners on my way, Fever? No, thank you. Okay, see you later. If that ain't what was the matter with that? Now, when things get soiled, the logical thing to do is to get them cleaned with most people. Uh, but with you, the most logical thing to do is something fantastic. Look, the people who clean hats are human beings. I'm a human being. So I can clean a hat, too. I'm a human being, too. And so are the people who go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. But do I go yachting in a hog's head, not in a pig's ear? <laughs> Come in. Oh, it's Mayor Latrivia. Come right in, Mr. Mayor. Good day, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Politico. Have a seat for your cynical. <laughs> no, thank you. I merely wanted to ask you, McGee, if you would serve on a committee of which I happen to be chairman. Mr. Mayor, asking McGee to serve on a committee is like waving a blue rag at a bull. You mean red, Molly. <laughs> With a blue rag, nothing would happen. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> What is the uh, committee, Mr. Mayor? It's to organize our citizens to write more letters to their friends and relatives, sons and brothers and fathers in the Army and Navy, and give them more news from home. Why, sure, Latrivia. I'm your man. When do I start? Tomorrow morning. The committee meets in my office at the City Hall at 10.30. Well, you bet I'll be there, because it's a good cause, too. Indeed it is. I was a captain in the Army during the last war, and I know how it is to get a letter from home. Oh, so you were a captain in the Army. An Annapolis man? Annapolis is a Navy school, McGee. Uh, don't they have captains in the Navy? Of course, but I happen to be in the Army. What's the matter, not smart enough to get into Annapolis? <laughs> I didn't try to get into Annapolis. Why not? You might have graduated as a general. They don't graduate students from Annapolis as generals, Mrs. McGee, and they don't have generals in the Navy. I thought you said you were in the Army. I was in the Army. Well, then, uh, what made you think you could ever be a general in the Navy? <laughs> I didn't think I could be a general in the Navy, Mrs. McGee. That was your idea. Go on. She didn't even know you then. <laughs> I didn't say she did. I merely said that the Army has nothing to do with Annapolis. Snobbish? Yes. No! Not at all. Annapolis is strictly a Navy school, and I, being in the Army, could not have got a commission there. What do you want a commission for? Couldn't you live on your salary? <laughs> yes, I could. I was merely trying to tell you that... McGee. Huh? Were you in the Army? Oh, indeed he was, Mr. Mayor. He was a private in the Engineer Corps. Do you still have that old Army spirit, McGee? You bet I do, the trivia. Fine. I was a captain, and I do, too. Huh? Left face! 
Mr. Mayor. You marched him right through the bay window. Yes. Isn't that too bad? Well, good day, Mrs. McGee. The King's Men sing Hey Mabel. There's a girl who lives next door to me Who's got the fellows up, 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 up in a tree They all go for her in a great big way But she won't tumble down So here is what they say Hey, Mabel Hey, Mabel Hey, Mabel Mabel, hey! When she's walking down the street All the boys yell mighty sweet Hey, Mabel Wait for me Wait for me When she wears a diamond ring All the boys begin to sing worse looking and kind of streaked with pink and blue, so I tried diamond. Look. Oh, lovely. Uh-huh. <laughs> a robin's egg blue straw hat. How ducky. You think it looks too sissy to wear? Well, I think it'd be all right if you carried a cane. A cane? Me carry a cane? Well, if you wore that hat, you'd have to carry a cane. <laughs> or brass knuckles. Well, shucks. The men's fashion magazines all say... Oh, heavenly days. Hide that pastel atrocity, McGee. What for? I don't want anybody to think I'm the kind of a woman who has the kind of a husband who'd wear that kind of a hat. <laughs> oh, who cares? Come in. Ah, hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. <laughs> Is that a new hat? It's not new, Mr. Wimple. It's just died. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. That's a new hat you got on, too, ain't it, Wimp? Yes, it is, Mr. McGee. Does it seem a bit wobbly over my ears? Well, now that you speak of it, Mr. Wimple, it does seem a little tippy on the temples. Yes, Sweetie Face bought it that way. (laughs) She didn't take me along when she got it, and the clerk told her she could get a big one for the same price as a small one. And she didn't want him to know she'd married a little shrimp like me. (laughs) 
Ah, she was just kidding, Wimp. <laughs> she was just pulling your leg. I know. Now, I wish she'd stop it. It keeps coming out of joints. Tell me, Mr. Wimple, does Sweetie Face pick all your clothes? No, just my pockets. <laughs> I, I caught her at it last week, and it made me simply furious. Uh-oh. I hope you didn't do anything drastic, like sticking your tongue out at her. Oh, no. I just said, Sweetie Face, I said... If you don't stop treating me like this, I'm going to run away. Oh, good for you, Mr. Wimple. Was she impressed? Indeed she was, Mrs. McGee. Ever since then, she's been wrapping my lunch up in road mats. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd better be running along now. I've got to meet Sweetie Face at the Army Airport. Army Airport? What's she going to do out there? Some officer promised to take her up in a blimp, and he said I could come along for ballast. Oh, <laughs> Ballast. Oh, my gosh. Ballast. That's what they throw out if the balloon gets too heavy. Is it really? Sure. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll just fool them and not get back in again. <laughs> now how that little man can take that treatment day after day is beyond me, McGee. <clears throat> well, they say you can get used to anything in time. Though after 30 years, I still squawk about those 47 pins in a new shirt. <laughs> if I had a new shirt. But whip was... Hey, hey, what are you doing with my hat? Oh, I'm just tying a little green ribbon on it. Oh, but Molly, that Wait a minute, is... McGee. Huh? Can't look any funnier than it does now. What do you mean? Now, where's that banana? Oh, there. And a what? bunch of grapes. Huh? Now for a veil and a feather. Oh, Molly. <laughs> now wait till I try it on. There, now, how's that? Oh, my gosh, that looks awful. You've got a lot of nerve kidding around with my straw hat after all the work I've been to. Take it off, Molly. Take it off. Oh, no. Let me wear it, McGee, just for a laugh. Come in. Take it off. Take it off. Oh, Mrs. Uppington. Hello, Abigail. <laughs> How do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee. Well, if it isn't 150 pounds of sugar. <laughs> May the 5th be good to you, Uppy. <laughs> You do say the oddest things, really. <laughs> you have such a gusty sense of humor. <laughs> you mean breezy, Abigail. Uh, is that the same as windy, Mrs. McGee? <laughs> Just about. Well, then that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, but I have the most wonderful news for you. You ain't moving out of town. Good heavens, no. Whatever gave you that idea, Mr. McGee? Oh, no, no. I just thought quick of what was the most wonderful McGee. thing. Huh? Oh. What's the happy tidings, Abigail? Well, I have just thought of the most marvelous idea to conserve paper. I've written the government all about it. Oh, good for you, Uppy. What's the issue with the tissue? <laughs> you asking your creditors not to send you any more bills? <laughs> oh, there you go again, Mr. Oh, McGee. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, did you inherit your sense of humor from your grandfather? <laughs> what makes you think that, Abigail? <laughs> His jokes are so old. <laughs> oh, but I must tell you, my dear, you know how important it is that we conserve paper. Sure, we know that, Abby. What about it? And you know that I was going to write a book about the history of Wistful Mister? Yes, we know that. Well, I've decided not to write it. Isn't that wonderful? Think of the paper I'm saving. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I've been saving them a lot, a lot of rubber, too, by not making any mistakes when I write a letter. <laughs> I'd better explain that joke, Abigail. You see, he writes his letters in pencil. Oh, he does? Yeah, he always... Why, Abigail, what's the matter? Oh, my dear, I, I can't contain myself a moment longer. Where did you get that delightful hat? That hat? Why, that's just a... McGee, 
<laughs> you really like it, Abigail? Oh. It was designed especially for me. Oh, well, really, it, it's the most original and charming hat I've seen this spring. Oh, my dear, I will simply not sleep a wink till I find one exactly like it. Or better yet, I shall have one made. Oh. And I just have time to get to my milliner's. Oh, oh goodbye, Mrs. McGee. You hear that, Molly? I certainly did, McGee. Imagine her wanting one exactly like it. Well, I've been made a chump out of long enough. Come on, give me that hat. No. Huh? No. If Abigail Uppington thinks this hat is cute, I'm going to wear it. You're going to wear Okay. I'll see you later. Wait a minute, dearie. Where are you going? I'm going out and buy a felt hat. That was the last straw. <laughs> No time does a woman's role in life become more clear than when a country is at war and homes are threatened, because those homes are only as strong as the women who guide and keep them. Most of us men will admit openly or secretly that no job at any time is bigger or more important than home management, especially when budgets must be watched closely, when things must be conserved and made to last. You women really have several jobs rolled into one, feeding your families the right food, making and mending clothes for those young youngsters. And certainly not the least, keeping your house clean, because dirt wears things out. Those are no loafing assignments. And now, on top of those jobs, you save kitchen fats and salvage scrap materials for war production. You study first aid and enlist as air raid wardens. Yes, you are the guardians of our homes. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Glow Coat salute you, the housekeepers and homemakers of America and Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment we will hear the President of the United States from the White House in Washington. With all of us anxious to do everything we can, individually and collectively, to shoulder our share of the burdens of this war, we welcome this message from our Commander-in-Chief. We'll all be listening, Mr. President. program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nightbeat, followed by the Aldrich family. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.